0: Texas Business Minds, a presentation of the Texas Business Journals, brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas. In this episode, San Antonio Business Journal reporter Stephen Santana is joined by popular restaurant owner Lisa Wong, who reflects on her 40 years on the San Antonio food scene and what the future holds for the industry post-COVID.
1: This is Stephen Santana with the San Antonio Business Journal, and I'm being joined today by Lisa Wong, who may not need much of an introduction, but she is the owner of the Rosario's locations here in San Antonio and Asanar. Today, we're just going to figure out a little bit more about who is Lisa Wong. So I, I think a lot of people know your story, but let's go ahead and let you introduce yourself, Lisa.
2: Thank you, Stephen. Well, I'm Lisa with Rosarios. I've uh, been in the restaurant business uh, 40 years this year. That's what I do each and every day. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, I, I own Rosarios and uh, I'm a founding partner with Asanat on the Riverwalk. And uh, I love what I do. The story of Rosario's,
1: uh, it begins with you using your, your college money to invest in, I, I believe was Lisa's Mexican restaurant.
2: Yeah, and, and then, yeah
1: exactly. And then you, you purchased it from bankruptcy court, the rest is history from there. But before we get into that story, tell me what was life like for you before you turned 18 and before you took that leap?
2: Well, I think I, for the most part, I had a very typical upbringing you know i uh my my dad worked at kelly and my mom was a stay-at-home mom and i was the only girl i had two older brothers that were 10 and 11 years older than myself so i predominantly was at home with my parents and my brothers were out and about by that time and um, i remember as a young child i i um i gravitated to hanging out with my mom in the kitchen and i also gravitated to hanging out with my dad when he's a he was out in the yard mowing and stuff. So I was always uh, uh, one of those kids who liked to participate. I remember my parents uh, at a very early age giving me one of those Fisher-Price cash registers. And uh, I put it to good use. I On a, on a typical Saturday morning, I set up my little makeshift lemonade stand and my little uh, snow cone stand, and I pull out my little Fisher-Price cash register, and, and i set up camp and i think that's probably my earliest remembrance of you know first dabbling in in any type of business i grew up in a very close-knit neighborhood and uh, neighbors were never shy to call me over to ask them to put in light bulbs or clean out the koi pond or even help them with the yard and uh so i enjoyed keeping busy and um at a very very early age, I knew that I wanted to be my own boss, and I don't know where that came from. My paternal grandfather had a small little restaurant um, on East Commerce m- many years before me, called Sung Lee Cafe, and oh, wow. it was a it was a Chinese American cafe. And um, so many say that you know I I I probably inherited that business gene from my from my grandfather. But it was something I wanted to do at a very young age. So when I was about 16 or 17 years old, I started thinking about my future. And, of course, my parents wanted, to, wanted me to go to college. And initially, that's kind of where I was going. And uh, when I was about – let me back up a little bit. When I was about 12 years old, it was, uh, it was the last day of uh, elementary. And I was walking home. And there was a small little Mexican restaurant that was about five minutes from my home. And I walked in and they had a sign now hiring. So I said, wow, okay. So I I asked for an application. I filled it out. I fibbed a tad about my age and I was hired on the spot. And I continued to work for that little Mexican restaurant all through uh, junior high and high school. And And those years, I can definitely tell you, I definitely got the the restaurant bug. And so my my junior, senior year, it's kind of what I I had planned.
1: Wow. And so then fast forward to Lisa's now 18. And you invested, I believe, $7,000?
2: $7,000. I begged and pleaded my parents to to give me $7,000. And I promised I would never knock on their shoulder again. So tell
1: us about that investment and walk us through that journey of Lisa's becoming Rosario's as it's known today.
2: Well, I, as you can imagine, it's kind of a blur now, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but from what I can remember, Lisa's was relatively busy, very busy in a short period of time. And I grew the business and eventually added on to the space. It was originally a, probably about a 12 to to 14 table little restaurant with counter service. And then a few years later, I expanded and probably added another 12 to 14 tables. I will tell you that Lisa's Mexican restaurant, which was my first restaurant, was a very, very small restaurant. What it allowed me to do is it allowed me to make mistakes. It allowed me to learn from my mistakes and then put the new practices in place, and then be able to maximize, as I've said in the past, maximize, you know, those four walls that were were dealt me. And I think it was because of that early foundation of giving me the opportunity to learn on a small format, you know, a small footprint, and learn how to, to turn it around. It was those basic principles that allowed me to set my sights on my next chapter in my life, which was basically I wanted to expand into a new location that would enable me to provide a full service opportunity with a full service bar. I also wanted to do uh, late night entertainment uh, and dinner service, which were all the, I guess, service components that I was not currently at the time at Lisa's. Operating. I was basically just doing breakfast and lunch. So when I found I came across Rosario's and it had been seized by the bankruptcy court, I went through the paperwork and made an offer on it. And $5,000 later, I was awarded the opportunity to take over the Rosario's footprint. And basically, what it was this is taking over the lease that was in place. And it came with a lot of old equipment and, and uh, deferred maintenance. So, you know, after many months, I remodeled it and, and opened it up as, as Rosarios. So that's how it all came to be. But I, I will tell you that it was the, my early beginnings at Lisa's and that first $7,000 uh, that gave me the opportunity and the ability to move to the next level
1: some people would see that kind of investment as a a gamble, I guess. Um, And what drove you to take that risk?
2: You know, Stephen, I really wish I had the answer. All I can tell you is that at a very young age, it's what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to have choices in life. I wanted to have opportunities that perhaps, you know, my parents didn't have. And those life experiences that propel you on your life's paths, whether it's right, left, right down the middle. And, and those experiences, I think, are what propelled me into that direction. And, you know, and also coming from a Hispanic family, you always want to take care of family, right? And, uh you know, I have two older brothers and I had my mom and my mom and I were very, very close. And so it was something that I wanted to do. And I and I felt by being my own boss, uh, having my own restaurant and being able to grow it from there would be something that would allow me to do that. And as far as taking a risk, I never saw it. I never saw the, the um, I never thought of the worst case scenario, which would be failure. That was mm-hmm. never a thought that kind of, you know. I even thought as an option.
1: You touched a little bit about the the model behind Rosario as becoming a, a you know a late night spot. How has that now changed? Now that we're in the middle of a global pandemic, as well as with Asanar?
2: Pre-COVID, post-COVID, night and day. You know, on my website, I think we still promote late night music because we haven't uh, changed that yet. But obviously, that's not something that we're doing right now. So I think right now, in a post-COVID environment, myself as an operator, as a restaurant, I think we're focusing on what I call restaurant 101. And that's dialing back, resetting, you know, all those points that made you successful to begin with, quality of product, consistency of product, Customer service, raising the bar. For me, temperature of food has always been a really big thing for me. And that's something that's been consistent from my very, very first restaurant. And then focusing on the needs of a post-COVID environment, which people are wanting more elbow room. And fortunately for Rosario's and Asanat, and more specifically Asanat, because it has one of the largest patios on the Riverwalk, you know we're able to give our customers a little more elbow room, which in in today's world it's greatly appreciated. So you know those are some of the things that we see that we've been able to implement and and predominantly we think we're lucky because we are a larger format restaurant. Uh, Some of the smaller restaurants, I just don't know how they're doing it because it it has to be very difficult. Definitely. What other struggles have you faced this
1: year? And uh, I know you said that, you know, you didn't see failure as an option for you, but was there ever a moment this year where you thought, you know, maybe we'll have to call it quits or something like that?
2: (sighs) So, you know, I, I did pause, right? And then I had to revisit what what I wanted to do going forward. And, you know, probably for the first time in my 40-year restaurant career, as I mentioned earlier, there was never, I never thought of failure. I never thought of not doing what I have loved for the last, you know, 40 years. But being in the business for so many years, I, I had the option to say, okay, enough is enough, right? Being in the business for many years, as many years as I've been, you know, I, I had uh, many, many long term employees that have dedicated their careers and their life to part of the success of Rosario's. I also have several family members that have gone down that same path with me. And at that point in time, when I, you know, kind of wiped my eyes a bit and, and kind of saw things clearly, I said, you know, that's not an option. So it took me a while. It took me some months to regroup in my head. And now I'm moving forward. But, you know, there's been, you know, there's been many hurdles along the way. You know, labor has been a huge hurdle. Uh, I lost many of my employees, similar to, you know, many restaurants in San Antonio. Employees are fearful to come back to work. And rightfully so. Right. And um, so as a restaurateur, it's, it's hard it's been a hard year, a difficult year to hold on to the business, uh, to manage less traffic and manage it in a, in a responsible way that gives you the opportunity to be around next year or I say, you know, early 22, because I think uh, 2021 is going to have its, its obstacles to, to deal with as well. So, you know, labor been, has been a big challenge.
1: Did you ever see Rosario's growing into the big staple, especially in South Town that it is today? And I say that because I, I know when I go to South Town and I see that <laughs> that building sort of has a unique pink glow to it. And I know that's Rosario's. I mean, did you ever see that for, for, for it ever yeah. when, you, when you first started?
2: Yeah, to be honest, not in my wildest dreams, you know. I never imagined Rosario's would, you know, be what it is today, you know, opening up my first restaurant on the West side and then Rosario's in Southtown and the big scheme of things happened relatively quickly. The growth of Rosario's happened so fast that I never really had time to reflect, you know, what a ride it's been. But I will tell you that pre COVID walking into my restaurant, seeing so many people, hanging out at the bar in the waiting area, waiting for a table. My hostesses, I would cringe. I'd walk by my hostess stand and I'd, I'd hear them quoting, oh, well, we're on an hour and a half wait. And I would cringe, right? But at the same time, you know, there's a sense of, of uh, pride and all that. Because, you know, when you have so many folks that walk into your place and that are willing to go through that, and not to mention, fight for parking. There's not all that much parking in South Town, (laughs) right? And you know, as I mentioned earlier, there's no shortage of Mexican restaurants in San Antonio. I think that the last count, there's like, 1,500 and counting, all different shapes and sizes. And mm-hmm. to walk into my space and see all these folks waiting, my guests, I mean, it, it does put a smile on my face. I'm grateful for it every day. And no, 40 years ago, when I opened up my first restaurant, I never imagined the success that Rosario's has enjoyed.
0: Lisa Wong joining San Antonio Business Journal reporter, Steven Santana. In our next segment, Wong shares her passion for historic properties when Texas Business Minds
1: continues. I'm Rich Gragasco, President and CEO of Texas Mutual Insurance Company. To everyone who has been hard at work providing the things we need during this crisis, we say thank you. You truly are essential and we're proud to be on the job with you. More at texasmutual.com slash on the job.
0: Continuing our conversation on Texas Business Minds, as Lisa Wong joins San Antonio Business Journal reporter, Stephen Santana.
1: You're working on several projects, of course, as as you mentioned, and they're on some historically designated properties. And as we know, San Antonio covets its history very much. So what is your approach to working on these types of projects that you would like to you know, the people of San Antonio to know in respects to, you know, preserving and respecting that significance of the area?
2: You know, I, I wish it's kind of a hard answer, but I think that number one, you respect your community. And in my case, you know, I've been part of the downtown South town landscape for the last 30 years. It's easy, Right. And then you add that I'm notorious for falling in love with some of my properties. Right. Uh, For example, you know, if I had to pick one by far it's main plaza and you ask why, well, it overlooks the beautiful San Fernando cathedral. The backside of it is a San Antonio river walk. When I purchased it, I knew it was a historic property. And more importantly, I knew that when I was ready to renovate it, I would have to renovate it in a very sensitive way because the role the property plays in the history of San Antonio. I mean, it's right there on Main Plaza. It originally was one of the, it was the original, I believe, a courthouse of the city of San Antonio, and it's such a prominent location on Main Plaza. So, I mean, when you fall in love with a property, you have no choice but to do the right thing and uh and if you respect and love your community it all kind of falls in line
1: well what are some recent trends that you've seen in the local restaurant scene that you really like or have enjoyed recently uh,
2: you know recently that's a hard question because i've kind of i don't want to say i've been a hermit uh recently but i've been Immersed in uh, keeping my restaurants afloat, and as I said earlier, revisiting restaurant one hundred and one, and making sure that mm-hmm. our quality and service. And but I, I will say, for the city of San Antonio, I, as a restaurateur, as a chef, uh, San Antonio is the place to be. I mean, the innovation, the variety of cuisines and concepts of late that have come into play. It's a ever changing landscape. And I think for a lot of these incredible chefs that are just, you know, popping up everywhere in San Antonio and moving to San Antonio, I think it's a a great place to be. I've said it before uh, recently. I wish I was 10 years younger, 15 years younger, because it's definitely San Antonio. I mean, I can't think of a, a more vibrant city to open up a restaurant, or as a chef, you know, hone the creativity that's coming out on the restaurant scene. So, you know, I think also the innovation on many of these ghost kitchens that are popping up, I mean, I think that's something that's very forward thinking, where restaurants, or more specifically, chefs are able to uh, push forward their ideas and push forward their cuisines by managing their overhead, right? They're not having these mm-hmm. kitchens or restaurants that are in high-dollar rent areas of town. They're able to, you know, put it off the beaten path and manage their expenses, but yet still promote their product, which I think is it speaks to the time that we're living in right now. Right, right. The other natural thing that I think that's come out of COVID is I think people are looking for a more relaxed environments. They're looking for more social distancing on a, on an everyday basis. They're looking forward to larger outdoor venues and spaces. And I think it's gonna be a while before customers accept going back to what it was pre-COVID. Because I think in, in a sense it's it's refreshing to have a little more space in a restaurant, to have a little more space on patios, to have some more relaxed environments. And I just think that's uh, we've been kind of living that the last uh, nine, 10 months, and we're probably going to be living that for a few more. And it's, I think it's a lot of that's going to become the norm for a while. Do you have a, your favorite drink
1: from Rosario's or, or Asana or a dish?
2: I have many, but I think if I... One of my to-go favorites, I love our enchiladas mexicanas, you know, or three. Have you had them before? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. they are, you know, they're just the right balance of spice and they're not your typical enchilada. They're more interior Mexico, but, you know, very, very pleasing to the palate with a little side of cabbage lime slaw uh, to kind of cool off that spiciness that's going on. But that's one of my favorites. And I'm a spicy girl. So I really enjoy our jalapeno cucumber margarita, which we call the pica pica. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm (laughs) I'm a fan of the Latuna. Oh,
2: the Latuna? Uh, Yeah. Well, that was my favorite for many years.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else you'd like to
2: add? You know, of course, none of what I've done over the last 40 years would have been possible without the dedication of so many of my employees. You know, I know I kind of mentioned that earlier, but you know, quite a few of my employees from my very, very first restaurant still work for me to this day. And I feel a little guilty when I say employees, because anyone that's been around you for that many years, it's, it's like family. And, uh, You know, it takes a dedicated team of managers, cooks, servers, and everyone else in between that come to work each and every day to make it happen for you. And I couldn't have done it without them. And uh, so with that being said, I just, I've been very successful over the years, but it has not been with the help of many people along the way. Wow. Well, this is a great interview. And I I really do thank you for for joining me and, and us
1: today and, you know, taking time out of what I'm sure is a very busy schedule for you.
2: Thank you, Stephen. You made it easy on me. If you, I hope we get to uh, meet face to face one day, but uh, you you will realize I'll be a lot more comfortable. Like I said, if you put an apron and uh, maybe a a stove and a couple of pots in front of me, and that's more, more my style. So, but anyway, I appreciate you so much and, and the time and your time.
0: Thanks to Lisa Wong for joining us. And thank you for downloading Texas Business Minds, presented by the Texas Business Journals and brought to you by Texas Mutual Insurance Company, a workers' comp provider committed to helping companies build a stronger, safer Texas.